Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Millicent Rovello, and I am here with one Mr. World Master Expert, Dr. Jay Calvert. How are yes, you? Yes, that is me, the World Master Expert. <laughs> you are a World Master Expert ranked presenter, rhinoplasty surgeon. I was going to make a different joke, but I'll, uh, I'll let that go. <laughs> And it had to do with the master part, so I'll let it oh, be. Oh, I, I, I think I know where you're going with that. <laughs> and we're going to try and keep this PG-13-ish rated, so. Fine, fine. <laughs> master. Yes. Uh, a global master, as a matter of fact. Yes. I came from the Berlin. You did. I was in the Berlin for the global masters, and it was very good. Right. So, so tell us about that. What is this meeting that you were there? And then we're going to get into why you are so highly ranked. Well, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time on that part, but this meeting was the, uh, the third, uh, and it's a bi, is it biannual? Yeah, it's biannual, which means every other year, right? So every other year we meet, uh, it's the two rhinoplasty societies. There's the, the rhinoplasty society. Of America. Which is, which is from the U.S. Yes. And then there's of the. Of course it's the <laughs> rhinoplasty society. I, I, I added that actually. <laughs> But they do call it TRS. So that's yeah. kind of the abbreviation. That's the uh, acronym. But um, then the uh, the other one is the Rhinoplasty Society of Europe. Okay. And we meet and it's run. So it goes back and forth. The first one was at Versailles. The second was in Miami. And uh, then the third one is back in Europe in Berlin. And this was called the Global Masters of Rhinoplasty. It was very cool. Uh, basically, faculty was about 50 people or so. And it included everything from keynote addresses to master classes to you know general lectures, and it was a cornucopium of <laughs> rhinoplasty. It was it, it was like it was the comic con of of rhinoplasty. A super super nose geek fest, and and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Were there outfits? <laughs> well, some costumes. Um, I think we'll get into Cosplay, that at some point. No. <laughs> but there were some outfits that I I. I probably shouldn't talk about on there, but it just drove me crazy. Oh yes, I remember this conversation. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'll we'll we'll get to it in a minute. I'll let it be. But uh, the big thing was the amount of education was just tremendous. I mean, the the players that were there, just the the top ranked guys from around the world, guys and and a lot of rhinoplasty women, which is great because historically. There were not a lot of women in the field of rhinoplasty. So that's great. That's great to see. And I know I definitely have met some at some of these international meetings we go to. And I love it. They're coming from all parts of Europe and from America. And they're coming in. They're breaking in. Not not sure why that's been the case. I mean, I know. you know, it, you know, there are plenty of, uh, you know, there's a lot of female plastic surgeons. Yeah. Just for our listeners, like, there's more and more. Uh, in fact, I think, like, the next few classes of USC residents are, are all female. And uh, it's just there, traditionally, it's been like rhinoplasty has not been where female plastic surgeons gravitated towards. Right. I, I no idea why that is. I mean, it's any other plastic surgery operation. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, you see more females doing mommy makeovers, breasts and body and those sort of things. And facelifts are really common also for uh, for female plastic surgeons, but nose has just traditionally been like a bunch of like really like geeked out dudes <laughs> just <laughs> measuring ailer cartilages and tip projection and just dorking out over the like the biggest details. But the 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 girls were geeking out also. Well, that's for great. Sure. So what did uh what did you talk on? What were your presentations on? 
uh, I spoke about uh, mobilization of the lateral cura, when, when you do it, how you do it, how you support the tip and uh, the nostril when you do that. Uh, just for uh, the listeners, the lateral cura are the cartilages that you see on the sidewall of your nose at the tip. It's like there's foot plates in the middle that make that piece of skin between your nostrils called the columella, or as one of my patients called it, the call your mother. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was from the East Coast, as you might imagine. The uh, And then the other, the lateral cura are on the sides of the nostril, and, and they're really responsible a lot for keeping the nose, the nostrils open so you can breathe and also for the aesthetics of the nose. So when we mobilize those cartilages, it's a big deal. And how do you how do you do that safely? And and in fact, Roxana Kobo, speaking of amazing uh, nasal surgeons who happen to be female, she's from uh, Cali, uh, uh, Colombia. I was gonna say, I don't know why I was gonna say Chile, but she's not, there's no Cali in Chile. Uh, but she's from Colombia. And she said, you know, uh, when you, when you mobilize those lateral cura, it, it is a free-for-all. You're, you have taken away the structure and integrity of the, of the nasal tip, and you really need to know what you're doing. Like, she was like, okay, it's easy for Jay Calvert. I get that. Like, the rest of you need to, and she was like trying to like reel everybody in because yeah. it looks nice. You know, right. when I do, everybody, it looks great. Slow your roll. Don't go out there like <laughs> cutting these things willy-nilly. Exactly. Like, know what you're doing. <laughs> Yes. I mean, and, and so she was like, Hey, Hey, you know, like, hold on a second. This is like, you can't just like do that. You got to know how to do it. And that's why I give the lecture. Uh, and then the other one was on, uh, how to save a damaged nose. Like when something's so damaged, like how do you like, you know, give the nose CPR, get it to the ICU and bring it back to, to life. And, uh, and it was good. I mean, I showed like rotting implants, you know, like these silicone implants coming through the skin and how you right. fix that. And, right. You know, we and speaking of which, speaking of which, that's right. Publication on Monday. Just as I as I'm flying back into town, our publication uh, with uh, you, me, Adira, and Pasha came out uh, in aesthetic plastic surgery, and it's uh, it's great. It's about how to save a nose with an infected dorsal implant. And this is very common in Asian rhinoplasty, where people have silicone implants in the bridge or right. Gore-Tex or Medpore. And they become infected, and how do you save that? So that publication was out on uh, July 3rd. Yep, that's for sure. So that, that's awesome. So you gave your talks. Uh, what else? Was there any other topics that you talked about? Uh, well, I, oh, you I said moderated. Those were your two. Those yeah. were the two you talked about. Those were my two moderated. lectures, but then I was moderating, which Got is it. a lot that's more right. interesting to me. Where... Yes, because then you can you can pick on people who <laughs> call them out. <laughs> that is so not true. That's, that is, not, that's, that's what I would what I do, do if I was moderating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a lot of questions when I'm moderating. So, uh, yes, that is, that's what I do. Yeah, that's, that's not the point. To be, we all want to be collegial and, and promote our fellow colleagues and get the best that we can out of them because that's the whole point of these conferences is to learn. And I guess that would be the next question then is, you know, did you take anything home from this lecture? Maybe that, you know, you might want to try or that you're considering... Yes. Are not considering. So we always come back to the preservation rhinoplasty uh, discussion, which for our uh, list, new listeners, anybody who's listening for a while, have heard me uh, chit chat about this a little bit. We've mm. Dr. Ravello and I kind of go back and forth. Maybe I go forth more than she goes back <laughs> on this stuff. But but you know the the concept with preservation rhinoplasty, which I think is a total misnomer. It is way more destructive than uh, structural rhinoplasty, but. The, the concept is that you don't need to change anything with the bridge of the nose. You can leave the middle vault intact, which is the space, the part of the nose from the hump. 
you know, down to the tip. Uh, because what you're going to do is you're going to cut the internal structures, the septum and the bones that hold the nose out in space, and you're going to push it in towards the face or move it from side to side. And I really got that for a crooked nose that looks beautiful, but it's in the wrong place on the face, that this would be a good way to do it. That'd be a great way to do it. Yeah. You just kind of cut her all the way around the bones. You got to cut through the septum. You have to detach, you literally detach the structures of the nose that keep it like attached, uh, to attached the face. to the face and it, you know obviously the skin is still intact um this is all under the skin but then you can move the the pyramid it'd be like taking one of the pyramids of giza and just picking it up off the earth and moving it over three feet and putting it back down it would still be the exact same pyramid but you've just moved it to a new place and i felt that that was the first time i saw a problem solved for me in because ju- I've just done like three of these where the, the nose looked really good. It was like a great nose, but it was in the wrong part of the face. And it really needed to be moved a lot. And in order to do that with structural rhinoplasty, it's a lot of complicated cuts. And I, I do it. It looks great. But this seemed like really simple, like cut around the bones, take a strip out of the septum, move it over. And, and Bob's your uncle. You got a nose that's in the middle of the face. And it, and it won't be going back. So I thought right. that was very helpful. Well, that's great. So one take-home lesson that you can bring home with you. Anything else about this meeting, Dr. Calvert, you'd like to touch on? Yes. There was a really key thing, too, with crooked noses that I'm going to implement immediately. Ooh, what's that? Which is that you should Botox the nasalis and the um, the LSAN, you know, the levator alkinase muscles, uh, right after, or even in the OR, when you're straightening a crooked nose so that they Ah. can't pull on the nose and pull it back. You had me at Botox, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. We do that for our blepharoplasties. We Botox the orbicularis so that it doesn't pull on our incision lines. Makes perfect sense that you would Botox the nose. And people don't realize that there are actual muscles in the nose, like on the sidewall of the nose under the skin. They're very thin, but they're what, you know, they call the the bunny lines. You know, when you wrinkle your nose like a bunny, those are the muscles that allow you to do it. So it makes sense that you can paralyze those and keep it from moving. Yeah. And this, uh, this is a lot of surgeons doing this and they said it's very effective and they think it's really helping and keeping the nose straight. So I am going to jump all over that. And I did a patient uh, right before I left for the uh, conference. And when I came back, I told her, and by the way, when I see you next Thursday, we'll be Botoxing your muscles because I want to keep your nose straight. I'm sensing a lot of Botox in your future because then it's going to be like, well, while you're there and you have the Botox open. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, why not, right? Get ready. Yeah, so I thought that was very useful. I also learned that... um, that I need to give a, a couple of uh, lectures or presentations or articles. And, you know, I talked to uh, our uh, scribe, Adira uh, Croyotity, today and said, uh, you know, what we should do is we should do a paper about primary rhinoplasty and how you manage lateral support, like mm. how, how I manage it, because everybody does it differently. I, I, and I should really harp on that, that I have a way that I do it. It's, you know, everybody's got a different idea, but I think the, the way that I've done it over the years, you know, and I have over 5,000 rhinoplasties under my belt now, it, it, it's worked very well. And I'm, I think it's very reliable. And it seems to be when we train the fellows and the residents that they, 
that they like it and the patients love the look. They come to me to get this look of the tip of the nose. Right. You know, it's very natural, it works. Um, and there are some downsides, you know, and there, you know, there are complications with everything that are annoying. Like, uh, you know, the grafts can get a little thick, they can need to be trimmed or injected with steroids. Those things do come up. So nothing's perfect, but uh, reliably, I get really nice looking results that last over time and people can breathe. So that's why I think that needs to be discussed because it's, it's not well understood. Well, that brings us to our next point of this podcast, which is that you were just very recently nationally ranked for what you do here with rhinoplasty. So if I may introduce the number three rhinoplasty surgeon in America. Congratulations, doctor. Thank you. I think, uh, you know, it was, it was a big deal. I, I, I think there's a lot of um, validity to that study that they, that Newsweek did in uh, this. Uh, and I should say this is ranked by other plastic surgeons. Yeah. So this is not necessarily poll the audience. It is polling of our colleagues and our peers to submit who they think, you know, is best in all of these categories. So this is as voted by people who actually really know the science of what we do and how we do it and are intimately involved in this topic. So I think that does carry a little more weight too. Yeah, and they, you know, Newsweek works with a uh, an organization called Statista, and their whole thing is about eliminating as much bias as possible in these studies. Uh, and I did the survey as a plastic surgeon. So what happens is they send out a, a survey by email, and it says, uh, this is the Newsweek survey for the top plastic surgeons. You know, you've been asked to complete the survey. You can uh, vote for anybody who's board certified. You can't vote for non-board certified people. That's one thing that they said. And they can be, you know, plastic surgery, facial plastic surgery, oculoplastics, you know, whoever you think does these procedures best, but they have to be boarded in some of their board. And you cannot vote for your colleagues. So if, if you have any business relationship with the, the surgeon, like I can't vote for you or, or, you know, Dr. Orden yeah. or, or Jabin Gabay or, or Ritu Chopra, any of our colleagues. Um, Which is difficult when you live in Beverly Hills because there is like 50 colleagues. Yeah, it's <laughs> and true. And they're all pretty and we're good. Connected. And we're, yeah. Right. And you can't vote for people that you have any business affiliation with. So like the people that are in the fellowship, like I can't, I can't tell them that Justin Perez is amazing or that Luis Macias is amazing because they do the fellowship with us. You know, and and uh, and I can't tell them that Mark Urata is great for something. So the, those people are off the list uh, for who I can vote for, and you cannot vote for yourself. And then they want six plastic surgeons in each category: facelift, rhinoplasty, breast augmentation, uh, liposuction, and blepharoplasty, eyelid surgery. And uh, so, like, I when I was doing it, it was actually really hard. Like, I really had to think through. You know, if it's not the people that I know who are amazing. Well, then, then who is it? Right. And, and then you have to really come down to like, well, who is it? Because it's like, there are people that talk on the podium. There are people that do a lot of surgery. You know, who would you send your family members to? And that's how I just, I, I did it that way. Right. Um, and yeah, there are some obvious choices for me. People I know that are amazing and, and do great work. And, and, but six in each procedure? Yeah, that you don't know personally, that's, that's harder. So I, I think the study has validity, but there's also a level of, you know, familiarity and popularity contest in it too, because I mean, there are some people that are ranked very highly that don't do, you know, some of these procedures that frequently, but they're just known names around the country right. but as, as top plastic surgeons. 
Yeah, that makes sense. When you're just trying to fill in numbers and spaces. Like, yeah. Who do I know of? Who do I see on the podium? You know, just filling it in. But but that still being said, you know, these are still people who are obviously for some reason ranked very highly amongst their peers. Of course. Um, so they it comes with a certain set of validity. But that's I think that's huge. That's very impressive. Number three is a very highly ranked number. Number one on the West Coast. Yeah, that's Number true. Number one on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I, I mean, being in the top ten of anything of that level by your colleagues is a is it's a huge. compliment. It is, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that I'm recognized that way by my colleagues for what I do. I, I think that that uh, you know I, I do a ton of teaching. You know, we run a top notch. Our fellows started their their uh, you know their year yesterday, and uh, it's just um, you know it made me happy that at least. There's some recognition by the people that that are, you know, I, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to teach our colleagues. I'm trying to obviously take care of the patients, number one. But how you do that is con- like, I don't know if the public really knows this, but we're constantly evaluated by our peers. Oh, yeah. Big time. Constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't pull one over. You might be able to pull one over on social media and on patients or potential patients, but amongst ourselves, like anything I post, anything I say, anything I put on my website, I'm always viewing it through the eyes of my colleagues. Like what would my colleague say looking at this result or looking at this statement that I'm saying? Would they call BS on it? If Absolutely. so, then like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should rethink that. Yeah, you don't you don't want you you have to do that, number one, because I mean like if you're if we're getting privileges at a, at a hospital, they're going to review our practices. That's part of the deal. Yeah. You know, you don't just get privileges at Cedar Sinai because you know you're a nice guy and pay your you know your dues, your your staff dues. You get them because people say, yeah, we want this guy around. It's helpful. You know, we can. He's got skills. He's board certified. You know, all the things they they review and they they want to know that you're you know on the up and up, and that's right. that's how you get privileges at these places, and you're and again constantly evaluated. So I think all of these things just go back to show that we are constantly evaluating ourselves and our colleagues, and as demonstrated by your recent week and rankings, you know, you are well revered and you are very highly regarded amongst your peers. So congratulations, doctor. Thank you. I appreciate that. And as I always tell everybody, that's really nice. And you're only as good as your last case. So check your ego at the door and do a great and job. And get back to work. That's it. I, I cannot stress that enough to anybody who thinks that all that, it, it, it's just, it's important. Yes. But on the other level, like the next case has to be my best one ever. That's just the way it is. I a thousand percent agree. I know. And that's what, I, you know, you and I both agree with that. The day that you're walking into the operating room, whatever day that that is, that should be the best operation you've ever done because you have all your experience. You have everything that you've ever learned, that you know, that you've done, the experience of all the previous cases, your planning, your, your setup. And so why isn't that day the best operation you've ever done? It ought to be. And there you have it, guys. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, 
This is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.